Hello and welcome. This time, it's a plethora of problematic titles for my co-host John Deere, as I, Dave Thomas, subject him to Perversion Story, also known as One on Top of the Other and Una Sull'Altra, directed by Lucio Fulci. Please join us. After Mrs. Moriarty died, you went upstairs, but you say you saw and heard nothing. That's right, sir. She was lying there dead. Yes, that's right, sir. Prisoner was led from death row to the closely guarded cubicle where he's scheduled to wait out the last few hours before entering the gas chamber. The death vigil. His attorney, Rod Mitchell, would not reveal what new elements he had in hand to convince the governor to order a stay of execution. This time, in the course of our discussion, we touch on gaslighting, the death penalty, and a pretty gory exhumation. Also, fair warning, once again, we spoil the hell out of the end of this film, so if you haven't seen it, you may want to go and check it out first. So we have, is this Lucio Fulci's first giallo? It is indeed, yes. And once, oh, 1969. and once again, I'm going to question um, the label, um, as, is it as, a well as what I understand as Jallo. Now, mm. either Perversion Story, which is not the, the sort of title I like to tell people it is the film I'm, 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 I'm watching, <laughs> uh, or One on Top of the Other, which is also the title of a film I don't like to tell people I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching. Um, it's... Um, well, for a start, it's although it's Italian, it's almost entirely well, it's, it's entirely set, and I assume ninety percent of it was made in in and around San Francisco. Is that right? Uh, so they did they did two weeks location shooting in San Francisco and environs, and then the interiors were all shot in Cinecitta uh, in Italy, which is typically the way that these things tended to go. Uh, so you get your flashy locations in, um, and I do very much enjoy the the opening kind of travelogue of the Golden Gate Bridge where you can tell they're on a pretty kind of shitty helicopter because the shot's kind of bouncing all over the place, but it's still very cool. Oh, I, yeah, I, I was thinking, oh, you know, there's, there's there's no expense spare there, is there? Obviously, there's a expense for a slightly ex- more expensive helicopter, possibly, but, you know, they're, 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 they're wanting to show a sort of, you know, streets of San Francisco sort of, you know, coolness. And there's mm. also, as we'll come on to later on, there's one long shot from the hill uh, where our hero and heroine are, uh, apparently breaking up, um, where you just see a long shot with a dead straight road down the hill, mm. and yeah, there's a, there's a very much a sense of place, and you know, I'm assuming that really is San Quentin at the end. That not only is it San Quentin, that is yes, the actual gas chamber in San Quentin. Actually, which, fi- as far filming, as, as far as I know, yeah. they they are the only people that shot in there. They're certainly the first people that shot in there. Wow, that's that was. Mm. They actually filmed. You know, the actor in question sits in. Well, I see yeah, the chair, in, the, chair, in the actual chair where <laughs> the actual chair. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not pulling punches, and that leads to that actually leads to a mm. dramatic um, ending. Except it doesn't because then there's a. Well, do you know what? Let's come on to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of it being a jello, we're still in the, the, the kind of pre yeah, yeah. pre Argento kind of sexy jello, which is very much what this is doing and influence. It is quite sexy, isn't quite, it? 
well indeed uh very influenced and and Fulci unusually admitted that he very much liked uh sweet body of deborah which obviously we covered Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. time back uh and yeah that's that's kind of what he was trying to do uh and you know we can kind of talk about where the where the germ of the idea came from because it's pretty interesting that uh it's based on the same story that was adapted into vertigo um, i was going to say it's, is, it's it's very seemingly very influenced by vertigo but you're saying it's the same it's, yeah. the, it's the same uh origin it's the same source yeah absolutely right. the the living and the dead or d'entre les morts which is what it was called in in french which is what it was originally <laughs> where it was originally written uh from the same writers who uh also did the uh novel on which les diaboliques is based and wrote the script for eyes without a face oh, so they okay. had form in that area um yeah so that so the original story is set in france as you might mm-hmm. expect set in paris um it's adapted uh by hitchcock uh to san francisco now interestingly when fulci and and his co-writers wrote it they actually had it set in louisiana uh and so they weren't really kind of going down the, the San Francisco route at all. But the producer was shooting something else uh, kind of up the coast in L.A. and said, no, you, you can't go to Louisiana when we've got the crew, you know, the cruise just down the road sort of thing. So they, they kind of had San Francisco forced on them, which is kind of interesting. Because I was wondering, because Bullet had come out the year before, yeah, and I yeah, was thinking, yeah. oh, you know, because it very much does that. Drive around the, the quite of, a lot. In, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, what one of the characters lives on Lombard Street, which is the famous kind of windy road uh, in San Francisco. Um, so it's it's quite on the nose, but uh, no, apparently that was purely a a function of the um, the producer, as was the title. Uh, so Fulci wrote it under the name Perversion Story, which is you know one of the names, and I think the kind of export name that it was somewhat sometimes known as. Uh, and again, his producer uh, said, oh, it's quite a good title, but we're, we're going to keep that for a different film that has nothing to do with you, which is, is an obscure, I, I won't say gem. Um, How many versions of it have you got? Of, of this movie? No, of the, uh, of the just, other one. No, I, I, I have never heard of it oh, okay. until I was I was reading up. Um, it, it's quite special. It's called The Hot Loves of an Underage Girl. Uh, right. which I'm kind of not surprised is, is not in wide circulation these days. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, no. so Perversion Story did eventually come back to uh, to the movie. But yes, the, the Italian title, which is Una uh, Solaltra, literally means one on top of the other. So so yeah, it wasn't, it didn't go, undergo any weird translations. But yeah, shall we, shall we do a quick, a quick pricey of the plot? Well, it might be quite a long pricey of the plot and we should probably spoil it again because it's quite, it's quite intricate. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, yeah, there's um, Georges Dumurier. That's a bit on the nose, isn't it? But yeah, I like it. indeed. <laughs> Not too much Hitchcock, Hitchcock influence. Um, who's played by? He's played by Jean Sorel. So like, he's, a, he's quite a well-known actor. Um, for yes. Was, yeah. And he's who's also French. Yeah. Who who we have seen, you know, already in in Sweet Body of Deborah, and I think I think uh, Troy Howarth described him as as the the Jallo's most sort of reliable cad or something. 
Like he's a handsome shit in kind of pretty much every movie. Yeah, and and as we'll talk about, his um his his character is somewhat somewhat morally ambiguous. But you know, even if you don't like Shaggy, you'll know him from you know Belle de Jour or from Be- well, Day of, of the Jackal or, or something else. But anyway, you know he's a mm. he's not he, he's not some uh, Italian that that's generally people won't know of outside of an idiot. Anyway, he's mm. he plays. Um, he actually is a he's a doctor, but not a very good one. Uh, who uh, yes, as it's established, uh, who who runs a clinic and has inherited money to basically run uh, a private health clinic in San Francisco. Um, he also employs his brother, uh, who isn't quite as good looking as as him, but is apparently a better doctor. Um, who works in the who works in the clinic, and we establish early on that he's he to. Um, uh, to entice investment and other things, he's he's fond of making outlandish claims, including that he is, you know, on the brink of doing the first heart transplant, um, which his brother complains that you're making us a laughing stock in the medical profession. This isn't this isn't helpful. He's saying, yeah, publicity, it's good in that as well. Anyway, uh, he has uh, George has a wife, uh, Susan, uh, and she is an asthma sufferer, and it's established fairly early on that they don't have a very a very a very good relationship. Um, and we learn very quickly that George is also having having an affair with Jane. Is it who's yep. who's uh, a PA to a to a fashion photographer? Well, she she is actually also a photographer. I think the two of them are kind of partners because there are points when they're in the studio where she's, oh, she's shooting, shooting as or, well. Or yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. He's sort of a, a David Hemmings in Blow Up style. Uh, very very much so. Yes. Off, off. Again, there's another bit of influence, although he isn't you know, particularly a. A central character, and uh, to, to, to the plot. Anyway, anyway, uh, he says he's going off in business. They go off to have an affair. He brings uh, a nurse in, uh, Chekhov's nurse. Uh, we make a point. <laughs> we make a point of saying, "Do I recognise your face?" Um, to the to the nurse, uh, and like, so telling the audience, please take a note of her face. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so she goes to look after his wife, and they talk about the uh, the medicine she needs. And as they go off. Uh, he receives a call that his wife has died uh, of an asthma attack while she was asleep, and he goes back to see them. And you know, Henry's the, the brother says, says, "Yeah, sorry, is but her, but his wife's now dead wife's sister is is not. She doesn't approve of George, and she sort of takes on the mantle of um, sort of mourner in chief. And George is 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 somewhat frozen out. Then it transpires a little later that um, Susan had a one million dollar insurance policy." Uh, for George, which takes care of all the financial worries for the for the clinic, this you know, obviously looks bloody suspicious. But George, as we is genuinely had no idea. But nevertheless, the insurance companies start to check this out, um, hmm. and he's um, the insurance companies start to send a private detective or you know, lost just to whatever to, to follow him around, and this leads to a scene where. Um, George and Jane are having dinner, and then they get a, and then he gets a, an, an anonymous phone call telling him to look to look out the window, where he sees a poster of um, a stripper uh, at a at a club called the Roaring Twenties. Um, uh, the stripper looks quite a lot like his wife, so he goes into the club to see the stripper. Uh, and mm. you know it's it's you know it's it's quite a free for free for there. There's just women dancing on the. There's some things you notice about that scene where there's just there's just you know women in women dancing on the tables. There's a lovely shot of this sort of 
quite uh, well-dressed elderly yeah, couple who seem absolutely delighted that there's a naked girl basically writhing on their There's table. a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of women. There's a lot of couples in there as well. And there's a weird subject. Like all the women are, often aren't wearing underwear or, you know, pants, mm. but they're wearing something that covers their genitals. Uh, and that's a theme yes. throughout the film. We have, when we see uh, the uh, photographer, uh, Larry, he's doing model shoots. Mm. Uh, and that has just women with like um, fake insects over their, over their, over mm. their groins. There's a thing about them covering up in their way, in a, in, a, in a creative way. So, you know, it's good to, it's, you know, mm. there's something that happens, that happens. It's a subgenre in film before. Um, obscure mm. things you can obscure women's genitals with. That's, anyway, um, <laughs> they see uh, the star turn. Uh, which is um, the stripper, uh, who's called Monica, apparently, and really, 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 really looks like George's dead wife in a blonde wig. And then he attempts to basically seduce her so he can tell if it's the same as having sex with his wife. And is it that she's picked up by the police at this point as part of the investigation because now they think she's posing as the dead woman and they bring her in and she says, no, I was told to pose as the dead woman by a anonymous person called Betty. Yes, essentially. To then then sign a fake, fake sign the insurance form as part of the as part of the framing of george exactly yeah uh yeah. and i think so so i think the the if you if you kind of really dig into it, i think the nurse from the beginning was called elizabeth so it's like oh is she betty but it's it's actually it's all designed to throw suspicion onto george for yeah. the, the insurance policy and thus the death of his wife just just a small moment where uh the the graphology expert uh who is uh because because when the police uh toss monica's apartment or i think she's on kind of houseboat or something uh but when they when they uh turn it over they find a piece of paper where she's been practicing the signature right, of yeah. uh, susan, susan de maria and, and the graphologist is is the uh inevitable cameo by lucio Fulci because he also oh, has to okay. do that cameo no, in his movies another hitchcock reference indeed Anyway, we learn Monica is basically a high class sex worker and she ha- mm. also we have um mm. <laughs> Chekhov's trick. We have Benjamin. Um, uh, oh yes, yes. Um, who's ben- been Benjamin Worm- Wormsley? Yeah, oh, right. Yes, who's or Worms right, or yeah. something. Like that. Um, basically, who's a rather pathetic guy who's you know who's infatuated with with Monica and says if she ever hooks up, she doesn't mind him being he doesn't mind her being a sex worker, but if uh, she ever hooks up with someone steady, he'll kill them all. Uh, and they're quite fun and they're quite, you know, um, matter of fact about that point. Um, and then he goes, he, when she's arrested, he, he tries to bail her, but he finds that her bail's already been met by some, by, um, by some, by somebody else. Uh, they then, um, Monica then tells the police that there's um, an envelope of money um, in in her house in a secret, in a secret compartment. And the fingerprints for that are found are to be George's. So George is then arrested uh, for the murder mm-hmm. of his wife with the motivation of claiming the insurance, even though they all, go on. Yep, I was going to say they also exhume the body of. Uh, oh, sorry. Yes, his yes, wife, they do. Yeah, uh, and and discover which is identified by the sister, uh, the yeah. sister uh, who and, and it transpires that she has in fact been poisoned. Ah, that's right. Yes, um, but anyway, the fact that the sister then um, conclusively identifies the decomposing body of uh, Susan. Mm. Um, conclusively seems to prove that Monica 
is not Susan, and that um, mm. uh, George appears to be doing. However, like from what we can see, there's no direct evidence, and George is genuinely surprised when we see him about the insurance money. So mm. we're left that there are there are things to be discovered. Monica sort of goes AWOL, uh, although we don't, and we don't see it. And some of the slightly unsatisfying things about this film, we'll come onto it more with his um, things you don't see. Sometime mm. he's, he's taken to death row after a trial, yep. and we never see the trial. But we're yes. told quite quickly that he's been convicted of of murder based on based on this this evidence, which is, is it's it's circumstantial. But you know what, what else? Mm. It seems seems the most likely the the most likely thing. Um, and his brother Henry um, visits him in prison, uh, sort mm. of the night before he's he's due to die, and basically tells him in a very um plot info dumping kind of kind of way that he's been set, that mm. he's been set up that mm. uh Susan isn't dead Susan is Monica um mm. there is that be- the Betty the person who 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 was met to do the um to do the signature uh that was the nurse that went all along and, and that's her corpse um uh, because the sister the sister's in on it as well um, mm. And he hates George because George is one a far far worse doctor than him running a shit clinic. But Dad always loved you, not 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 me. Um, mm. So we'll get the insurance money, and you'll you'll get killed. Um, yes, and he's also having an affair with Susan. He's also having an affair with Stra- an slash affair Monica. With Susan, and we're going to get the hell out of Dodge. Bye. Mm. Um, now, if I'd have conducted a plot that intricate. I probably <laughs> wouldn't have like the the line from Mallrats by Jason Lee. I've seen way too many Bond movies to give all the way all the details of my plan, no matter how close I think I am to winning. Um, yes, because George then tells his lawyer this and gets a stay of execution for twenty four hours uh, to mm. try and show some evidence uh, of this. Um, and they can't really find much evidence until they belatedly suggest that maybe they look at the dental records of the corpse. So the corpse gets, gets exhumed a second time. Uh, why they didn't do this do this before? Um, but the dental records show that they're identical uh, to Susan. So it's definitely it's definitely her. And that's sort of thrown away as a well. She she worked at the clinic, so uh, Henry will just have switched them. So, yes. but that is too late. That's all they've got. So Jane, um, the, he's the person he's been having uh, his affair with, and idea his long term his long term lover believe, believes he's innocent, but everyone else sort of gives up and say, mm. uh, no, they no they can't that they can't help. So all all hope is lost, and he's taken to the gas chamber. Meanwhile, um, Henry and Susan both go to Paris and meet in a Parisian cafe. And there's been some evidence mm. that, that this that that's that's where that's where Monica likes and uh, um, mm. Benjamin, the, the the sad trick, has sort of like fixated upon this place. And when uh, Henry and Henry and Susan meet up, Benjamin is there and kills them both um, mm. in a hell of bullets because she's. That's what he said. That's what he said he'd do. He doesn't really recognise whether Monica was Susan or what. It's that. It's it, it, it's that. It's that woman. Mm. And the police have uh, identified them and told uh, Interpol. Presumably, then told then told the FBI. Then told the FBI. And although there's some confusion whether um, 
the uh, the person is is Monica or Susan. The point is that she was alive when she entered that cafe and therefore can't have been dead when we thought she mm. was, and therefore George is George is innocent and gets a last minute stay of gets a last minute stay of execution and is um, freed. But we learn mm. all of that bit in the gas chamber from a bloke doing an info dump to a news camera at the end. Yes, rather than see it, you see the shooting, you see all the stuff in Paris, mm. and then. There's a bit of like, oh my god, what happened? Oh no, they've killed him. Then we knew all along what's happened, and then the attention's relieved by a, basically a news report to say this, this yes. is what happened. Credits roll. Now, I can't decide <laughs> whether that was. I, I, like, I can see like it was. I wondered, and you, you can tell me, and I'm, I'm possibly wrong. Did they change the ending? Have to shoot that two months later and couldn't get cast back to San Francisco, so they just thought, no, we'll give it a happy ending. Um. <laughs> um no, no, I don't believe okay. so. Right. So, no, so that was in the that was in the original script. Yeah. So the first time I watched this some years back, I, I had I, I was coming at it with a very kind of narrow view of of what happens to the if not the hero, the protagonist of a movie, and you know, thus, even though he's a git and thoroughly ineffectual and and has things kind of happen to him rather than. Uh, you know, b- being the kind of engine of his own destiny throughout the movie, I, I was kind of expecting that. Yeah, if there was going to be a twist, that you know, it-, it would at least end with you seeing the call come through and him leaving jail, and maybe you know Jane would be waiting for him. And what the the, the perception, and I don't know how much of this was actually like Fulci actually explained, or people have just kind of read this from watching the movie is that it's kind of designed to show that he is so kind of utterly ineffectual that fate is acting upon him not anything else that yeah you don't even like see him once he's been kind of sat in the gas chamber it's like yeah there's you know there's no reason to because he's just so pathetic and re-watching it, i watched it a few times over the years and the, the more times i watch it the more i like it and the more i think that ending actually really works but the first time you see it, it's very jarring because you suddenly go from this very long, very kind of melancholy sequence where he's mm. being kind of sat in the gas. And, and they do it kind of real time. Yeah. Like it, it's very long. Lots you know, he's sort of, he's of taken from this. Watching time yeah. passing, tension building. Yeah. How the, yeah. the, the structure of closing, you know, of, of, of uh, strapping him in, of closing mm. the door, of prepping the mm. gas. Yeah. It's it's physical. It's it's, it's, it's tangible. It's, you know, it's, yeah. Mm. They and then with one bound he was free. Yeah, it kind of yeah, yeah. but the, but the, you never actually see him again, and you never see him with Jane again. No. So you have no idea of to whether they're reconciled because one of the slightly fascinating twists bubbling under is this idea that George's relationship with his wife, at least in part, is undermined by the fact that he's having an affair with Jane, yeah. and then his relationship with Jane is undermined by the fact that he starts having a relationship with. Monica, who is his wife. Yes. <laughs> so th- th- there's th- there's a lot of stuff Fawlty's playing with there. Now I was going to say in, in the uh, in the direction, there's an awful lot of shots of uh, Susan and or Monica in reflection, and and Fawlty really likes that kind of um, 
Brian De Palma kind of mm. split diopter thing, and he does this in a, in a lot of his movies where you have someone's face in extreme foreground and somebody else is right in the background and they're having a conversation. Um, and he does it quite a bit where you'll kind of see George at the at the extreme foreground, and then there'll be a mirror behind him on the wall, and that's where you'll see Susan or Monica reflected in in the. Uh, in the mirror or the window, whatever it may be, thus indicating that she is a reflection of, an act, you know, the real person, and this is this is artifice. Yeah. There's a couple of directorial flushes I found interesting as well. Like there are lengthy sex scenes. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> but Sam, but you know, he tries to shoot. Like there's one where he sh- he shoots. There's one shot in particular in both in both in where he shoots under, as in from mm. from the point of view of the mattress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, the 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 poor, the poor actors are lying on a sort of glass or perspex sheet with a kind of coloured gauze over it, which must have been, well, well, you know, an interesting stylistic choice. Must have been fucking uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, fairly cold, possibly. Bit of an arse sweater. Yes, yeah, I, do, like, I doubt it was. I doubt there's a fun day at the uh, no, at the no, set. As well. And the other thing as well, he he does, um, uh, which again you don't really see in Jalo, whether you see a lot of late 60s and certainly throughout the 70s in American cinema the split screen montage mm, yes lots of things happening once and we'll divide the screen up uh, to, to, to show it but yeah the um, mm. the lack of a, a visual finale and the lack of courtroom scenes suddenly I found drew me drew me out of the drama quite drastically right uh, and we go mm. from he's been arrested to he's on death row and I was like we've missed some months here yeah, um, which appreciated for time and you know that as well. But yeah, that's a that, that's you know that's that's a matter for pacing. Mm. Um, you could have tried to explain that in some in in, in some form. But anyway, that was yes. Even even it's just like a sort of spinning headline montage or something. But yeah, it, it is a little jarring. Again, it's one of those things that kind of the more the more I've watched this, the less it bothers me. Like the first time, I think I was very much like, oh, that's weird. What happened? I've I, I've clearly missed something. Um, but when you kind of know what's coming, it's, it's I can see in subsequent things. I, I would I would probably uh, fast less than that, and then because so, it, it generally looks well, uh, it generally looks looks decent. As you said, just the, maybe just the mm. r- right side of a bit too cheap for what it's trying to do, but but, but, but mm. by and large gets away with it. However, mm. the script, although one of those things that's quite fun uh, as you go, this is and I was for the first half I was thinking, oh, this is quite building quite nicely. It's quite layered. Mm. Uh, it's not silly. Um, it's doing what it's it's doing what it's doing well, but at no point does anyone actually like check Monica's um, ID, uh, get any data from her, and then when Susan, mm. who's been dead for months, leaves the country using her own fucking passport, yes. <laughs> no one no one <laughs> checks anything, and it's only when she gets murdered do the police get her ID. It's like. At some point, the uh, so, I mean, we all, we get crap. One of the things that probably really thinks this about is uh, this is shallow is that we really often get crap police, but uh, you know yeah. this is crap American. This is San Francisco PD who you know are really heavy-handed with how everything they do, assholes to everyone they meet, but also not very good at establishing anyone's <laughs> genuine identity. Yeah. Um, well, it's like it, it, it's seventies air travel, isn't it? So no one actually ever checks anything or writes anything down, and there are. 
no computers. So right. it's like, yeah, she's got she's, a passport. It's she's fine. sat next to DB Cooper there. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, actually, this was before DB Cooper, wasn't it? Uh, anyway, you see the general point. Yeah, I, I, maybe there's no, there's no, um, yeah. th- there's no. Nevertheless, she spends a lot of time being interviewed by the police. At no point, therefore, hmm. is her identity verified because she doesn't right. fucking exist. Yeah, uh, yeah. They don't. They don't actually ever get into whether she has sort of documents or anything, do no. they? But uh, I guess it's you know. I, I I do think the scene when they do the reveal of that that she is actually Susan is is really, really oh yeah, well and and, they, and, they, and she's on her own, isn't she? She's doing it into a mirror, uh, and yeah. Fulch's Fulch's camera is in the mirrors mirrors POV, uh, and it mm. is yeah, it is it, 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 it is it's lovely shot. It, it's lovingly shot. It's it's effective. It's interesting. And, the, and uh, oh, that's only those two points with particularly with the trial scene just flashing uh were a mm. bit were, were a, a bit jarring and you know i can't really could have criticized mm. one jello in particular for having lo- some holes in the plot we've, we've witnessed far more egregious examples of, of, of <laughs> plot holes uh because that's that's that, that's not really that's not really the thing and we will and again no doubt but okay so let's um, it, it's overall, it's 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 very enjoyable and looks classier than than some of the stuff we've looked at. Um, yeah. But why is Lucio Fulci doing um, Hitchcock does Hitchcock does Jallo? Now we know him now as uh, zombie hell um, gore master of Italy, um, but this is his first Jallo. So what was he doing? Before, on, on all the things I know him for, seventies and eighties, what was yeah. he doing before this? Uh, so he was a bit of a jobbing director prior to this. He did a lot of comedy, believe it or not. Um, and the, the the nature of Italian comedy is that it, it doesn't travel as well as uh, or, or as broadly as horror and action and all those kind of yeah. things, unless it's kind of you know sort of very specific examples so by and large his comedy movies aren't particularly well known outside of italy um, and i think even at this point in italy because he you know he, he subsequently became known for the horror stuff um, and he would do the occasional kind of action you know, sort of adventure films things like white fang and he definitely white fang done the jack london uh, book mm-hmm. All right. yeah and at some point prior to this he'd definitely done at least one spaghetti western Right. Uh, but but interestingly, this this is kind of significant not only because it's his first Jello and it's kind of the first time he moves into the kind of horror thriller, even though it's not supernatural. It's it's the beginning of what then you know feeds into Don't Torture a Duckling mm. and Lizard in a Woman's Skin, which then kind of culminates in in all of the the zombie horror and the more extreme stuff that he did later on. Um, but it's kind of his first film that really had a big had had an international release and, and a kind of an English language version. So it, I, I don't know if it was the first. I suspect the Western. I think the Western probably did, but this was kind of relatively successful. So it meant that he then kind of became seen around the world rather than just you know someone in Italy. Um, he he. I mean he sort of took particular umbrage when people said oh you know you were you influenced by argento and of course this is the year before bird with crystal plumage mm. so he he found that quite quite that made him quite irate yes. and you know it didn't take much to make lucio fulci irate so uh he he was a sort of shouty director of the old school so um <laughs> so you know he he, he wasn't 
wildly keen on those comparisons. And I think actually his films, apart from the fact even the kind of later animal title ones, they're all pretty different from what Argento was doing, apart from the fact that they're kind of problematic and and gory. So yeah, from his point of view, it's quite significant. Uh, And interestingly, kind of some of the things, you know, it, it is a little bit gruesome, like more gruesome, I think, than what else was happening yeah. kind of a year or two there's, before this. There's touches where you see uh, what we now know is the nurse's court, like heavily de- mm. de- like heavily decomposing faces we will become very familiar with in, fu- in mm. Fulci's intro. But this was like, you know, you wouldn't have expected a, po- a moment of up-close gore or of up-close body horror uh, mm. in what is, can be seen as just a, you know, a police procedural scene, you know, an, 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 mm. an, an, an autopsy scene. And the fact he's taken time to to have that mask made to have that effect mm. um, is uh, is 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 probably a bit of a foreshadowing. Mm. And also, given that you know, because it's sixty nine, it's it's pretty early yeah, still yeah, for yeah. for kind of heavy go. And and again, kind of the like it it it's a, even now kind of watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten. Like this is this is pretty racy. And again, like for sixty nine, I mean, like sixty eight, I think was kind of when. You started getting, you know, boobs on the Italian screen. Is you know, it's only a, a couple of years before is, this. Is really, that, is, that, is so. that also a game show in Italy? <laughs> boobs on the screen, probably. It, it then morphed into uh, Tutti Frutti or whatever it was that they used to show on um, Men and Motors. Oh right, there's um, <laughs> there was what, a strip of the housewife. It. Well, that yes, that that so that that show Italian stripping housewives. We've gone very off topic, but that that was so that was that was tutti frutti. Right, was it okay? In, so, in Italy, yeah, and and they used to uh, they used to kind of cut sort of lift the bits that they thought they can put on British TV in the I guess mid nineties um, and, and stick it on. God, what, I can't remember what channel that was on, but uh, live TV. That sounds about right, actually. That was whatever the thing that Emily Booth used to do the porn review yes, show that yeah. had <laughs> yes there was a bloke on it as well and I remember I remember someone saying like how would you feel if your mum's been on the wonk um, and that was <laughs> that was a that was a telling that was a touchstone of my of my third year at, at university nice um, I haven't I haven't met him I have met Emily right. Booth and she's very nice topless dance on the Titanic was 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 was, 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 was very 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 cla- very classy. Uh, and the uh, the uh, soap opera set in um, Canary Wharf, which at the end takes off as a spaceship. Oh yes, yes. did that? Oh, that had Emily Booth in it as it well, did. didn't it? And um, <laughs> David ate his cyber leader Banks. That's right, and uh, yes, and Annika Svenska. Yes, gosh. there you go. Wow, we had live it's, it's TV amazing that... podcast could be could be. Awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the live TV pod. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, if you know we've run out of jelly, we have a, something to fall back on. That's nice. Extraordinary. <laughs> Um, so yeah, oh, so basically, he was a jobbing a jobbing director, but with um, mm. a level of, I mean, what got him into the, the, what made him appropriate for something for for something like this was there seen as a he had an eye was or, or it was just a case of we, the production company needs needs someone to get this in on time and on budget. Yeah, I'm not sure what the genesis was. I think he came up with the idea, right? Um, okay, and then worked with the producer. So yeah, he he and and the co-writers. One of which, so it was a, a Spanish and French co-production, which I think is kind of why you also have um, Jean Sorel and Alberto de Mendoza, who plays his brother, um, who was a sort of pretty well-known, actually Argentinian actor, but was in a lot of Spanish films, obviously because uh, he spoke Spanish. Uh, and so the the Spanish screenwriter, I think, is probably one of those. 
we stick we have to stick a spanish name on to get sort of production money uh but yes R- roberto janviti who he'd written with before i think they kind of came up with the the idea uh quite what kind of prompted that whether it was just like i want to do something that's not sexy comedy or Se- you know a something sexy else. drama instead yeah yeah sexy thriller yes. but yeah and, and the producer he'd also worked with previously um on i forget what it was i think potentially again a comedy you know there was something a little bit zeitgeisty because sweet body of deborah i mean we keep coming back to it but it, and it's a shame because it does seem a little forgotten by all the labels that are putting out jelly kind of hand over fist and are doing all of the umberto Lenzi, carol baker ones and the various different you know vinegar syndrome and now you know on volume fine of well, volume five of their forgotten jelly and it's like well why is this one forgotten because not only is it is it genuinely quite good but it was hugely successful and it kind of barber is credited with with inventing the jelly and i think that's probably fair uh, or crystallizing it with with the two movies that he did but it was really sweet body of deborah that actually you know was was really successful and kind of set the template for the next kind of three years or so, which is exactly what this is doing and what Orgasmo that we, we talked about last time was doing, you know, that kind of the sort of sexy thrillers with, you know, nudity and, and kind of exploitative elements. But it's it's a it's not it's not the stabby boobs that comes, you know, imminently around the corner. It's it's something different at this point. And so, yeah, I, th- I, I assume it was just kind of like, oh, I like that movie. I should I should do something like that. Mm. Uh, and, and just kind of, you know, it, it was the, the right film at the right time to then feed into everything that sort of came subsequently. So in a way, it takes... Um, or draws on you know, on the stylism of um, Vertigo and um, Bullet um, mm. and then feeds into um, some of the stylism that, that, Jello, that Jello will become known for. Yeah, because I, I, it, was, it was interesting watching this back-to-back or, or in terms of the episodes back-to-back with uh, Orgasmo because I feel like this has more stylistic flourishes that would fit with what we subsequently think of as the jello than orgasmo does orgasmo is pretty straight up and down you know and then you kind of questioned you know is it is it even a jello because it's fairly i mean there's a couple of sequences there's the you know we talked about the alcohol and drug fueled sex scene with the broken doll and the expensive pussy but you know th- this has some kind of interesting flourishes in you know kind of like the sort of psychedelic photo shoots and the strip sequence is is done with a, a, a great deal of of style. I mean, it, it always always quite funny whenever you have like a uh, cabaret strip sequence in a movie, and it's not anything like you would, you know you would actually ever see. Like if if the model on stage was kind of slowly stripping off on a motorcycle, and all the bits were covered with fuel company stickers yeah. or racing stickers, you'd be you know I don't necessarily think she'd get a standing ovation. I think everyone would just be quite annoyed. But in movies, that's the kind of thing you know that that is always featured in that in those kind of scenes and it as you say it has a sort of fairly well-to-do looking clientele of of couples who seem to be thoroughly enjoying it and not just a load of you know blokes in grubby mats which is probably yeah i mean i I don't really know that's that scenes in in reno nevada um and Mm. i i don't really know uh, i don't wish to make myself appear superior but i've never been in in a strip bar in reno nevada um and the, the, the quite well-to-do couple don't really strike me as the sort of people that you know that might be there in Rio Nevada. They might be in that sort of place in Rome, Italy, um, 
and there may be <laughs> right. there might there might be that sort of a cultural touchstone there that's meant for an Italian audience rather than what would be understood in what would be understood in potentially um, mm. American 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 culture. Um, in terms yeah. of the cast, I had a I had a quick look. Um, I knew uh, Jean Sorel and that stuff as well and I noted that mm. I, I, after looking I did recognize Alberto, recognize Alberto de Mendoza for Horror Express mm, yes he was the only one I think I recognized um, but after having a quick look at um, their um, some of the cast's uh, CVs and obviously there's quite a lot of Italian stuff um, mm. in, in there as well but uh, our friend uh, Benjamin um, the the sad trick is mm. uh, is played by a chap called uh, Ricardo. Uh, forgive my pronunciation. Cucolia, Cucolia, uh, Cucciola. So oh, it's a double C. Sorry, Cucciola. Mm. Um, which he's had. He had a very long uh, and sort of stable career, but he did a lot. He mm. did a lot of dubbing work uh, for mm. anglophonic films. Um, he was, you know, in the in the early sixties. I think he was seen as a leading man, and then became sort of a character actor, which is to to to, mm. to do that as well. Um, and he's dubbed, you know, quite famous people. Um, that that you know, when films are sold overseas and and, and, and dubbed, etc. But he was the dubbing director on Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh wow! Oh, I did not pull that yeah. one out. Yes, the, the the main thing I kind of know him from is that he's in uh mario barber's last film rabid dogs right uh, what's that about which uh it's about a it's sort of a fairly unpleasant crime thriller kind of polizia tesco kind of a thing um that went unreleased for years it was never actually it's kind got, of it's got any rabid finished. dogs in it it does not have any Fuck rabid dogs sake. in it no. <laughs> if Mario Bava says a film and says gory shit, I want you know I want to know what's what's in it. If there's a rabid, not if there's a film where Bava, I want to know what I'm getting from that. As well. I don't, I don't. Yeah. All, all the writers I know who are, who use subtext are cowards. Yes, well, it's, it's like you know the the Fulci directed a comedy with Barbara Steele called uh, The Maniacs, and it's not at all a horror movie. Yeah, and we also have Marissa Mel. What, what, what do we know her from? Uh, so um, she. Well, she's in a she's in a crimi, uh Secret of the Red Orchid from '62, which is again probably a better example of the crimi meets Jallo than than I showed you. Uh, Thanks. But the year, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, the year before this, she was in uh, Danger Diabolic, also for Marion Barber. All oh, right, okay. Uh, which uh, which you know is is what was not a success at the time, but has subsequently become quite a celebrated film. Um, interestingly. That was originally going to be directed by Seth Holt of yeah. um, some sometime working with Hammer for Hammer fame, and was originally going to star, believe it or not, um, Jean Sorel and Elsa Martinelli, who is the other female lead in this movie. Oh, so, okay. r- so randomly, and then ended up being uh, Marissa Mel and, and John Philip Law. Uh, I, I I think yeah, because she she died quite young, unfortunately. But the sort of films that she was in from here kind of get more like she's been cast because she's hot and she takes her clothes off. Uh, and I think this is actually a pretty strong role for her. It's probably like her best, the best, the thing that she was able to get her teeth into the most. And then Elsa Martinelli actually had a fairly kind of long and varied career. She actually worked in Hollywood quite a lot. So um, uh, and and had worked with with. Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor, and yeah, she worked with Roger Vadim on like Blood and Roses and things. So she, you know, she had a, a fairly kind of decent career. Um, she's pretty good in this as well. Yeah, there's no one I think there's no one who does particularly some of it. You know, given the slightly unfortunate nature of it, if you're watching subtitles, then you're often I think possibly um, 
you get the meaning more than that as well. But given the, uh, uh, on the one hand, you know, you, you, some of some of the dialogue is 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 a, a bit odd, and on the other, you have to strip and put um, and put stickers on your bum that advertise things. Um, is, <laughs> yeah, is there are you know there are um, challenges to be met that you'll probably want to cut. Cut the cut the odd bit of slack for for this as well. Yeah, no, and yeah, no one does a particularly particularly bad job. Was it was it well received? Um, I believe so. I think it sort of did you know reasonably well. As I said, it was kind of Fulci's breakthrough into the international market, and I think it's one of those. It's kind of reputation has grown over time because Fulci has this fan base that for a long time was kind of primarily you know the the gore fans. Yeah. Um, but as people have discovered things like. Don't torture a duckling and lizard in a woman's skin, and some of the uh, the slightly more thoughtful things that he did. Because um, because for me, I mean, I I, I think his Jally, his most entertaining movies. I do like the extreme gruesome things as well, but I I, I don't think they're as as well rounded films, if I'm honest, as 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 this and and the subsequent kind of Jally. Because there is a lot of you know, we get to the island and then zombies eat everyone. Is it has a uh, it has a purpose. But I'm not sure I like the purpose as much as you know. Is John Terrell going to get gassed or not? Yeah, and, and for the the things I've watched Fulci films for, you know, it, the Beyond is fun. Whatever well, mm. it's you know, mm. it's horribly gory. Uh, it's yep. very silly in places, and yeah, you know, gen- and genuinely scary. Uh, in others, mm. but most of all, it, it's fun. What it isn't is particularly tense. Um, no, um, and they, he spends and it's he, Fulci spends such time. Uh, playing with attention, you know, happily, you know, mm. as, a, as a job, um, jettison all the courtroom scenes and legal procedures he just scenes to spend a good, mm. you know, ten minutes on the pre-execution scene of the, you know, mm. making that, you know, very tactile, you know, full of full of close-ups and yanking and pulling and turning and twisting and uh, the mecha- you are now stuck in this, you know, in the uh, mm. the belly of this steel beast to um, misquote Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, but then you know, to the tension racks up, and then off screen, it's fine. Um, but it's still, yeah, he's. It was something I wasn't expecting. It was, it was something well, well done. There was the detail there. There was, there was, there was, there was time there as well. I could see why you mm. know, he, you'd see this and go, yeah, he's this. This director's a cut above, even if it becomes an atypical example of what he becomes better known for. I mean, I've mm. got to, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are people who do Lucio Fulci podcasts. Uh, I'm sure. You know. Oh. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> I I read about one, a straight to video one with Nazi ghosts, rapey Nazi ghosts. Oh yes, is that Doors into Darkness? I can't remember. Or is it Sodoma's ghost? That, that there's a lot of stuff from his the very tail end of his career when he was doing like director video stuff that I haven't seen, and I'm not sure I aspire to. God, Dave, a film that's too awful for you to watch it. <laughs> That I think I think we may have if, if we if we ever do a follow up when we get when we get through this, uh, films too awful for Dave will be uh, maybe something <laughs> that will start as well start start this sixteen different releases I've got of this film that no fuck has heard of except like the twelve people that have bought it <laughs> and three and three of those work for the label and you and we and we uh, and and there'll be films you haven't seen because you're going nah don't fancy that fucking hell I need to. I think there's a. Yeah, I, f- I, I, I feel like I should skip that one. <laughs> there probably is a show in there. I don't know if it's going to be fun for either of us or anyone. I don't know. Um, it'll be more fun for me than you're. I'm just I'm randomly. I mean, yeah. 
a, a lot of the time I, I yeah, watch and a lot of the time appreciate. Sometimes pleasantly surprised. Sometimes with things like the uh, possessed, it's fantastic. Yeah, but you've mm. maybe watch a fair bit of shit. Um, so you know, I think some somewhere on the line, you should you should take responsibility and see some of it. Yeah, see, yeah some, okay. See some shit you've never seen. I, I try not to generally, but I, I but I can't I can't I can't kind of you know pass your reactions beforehand. So you know, I I, I try not to like the, there have been a couple of things where I've been like, no, I'm not even putting that in because I know that neither of us will have any fun with that. Yes, the, I, I I take your point. It's always it always has to be fun. What's next anyway? Ah, so next we are staying with uh, Jean Sorel. Oh, good. And we're jumping ahead to 71, so we are now kind of in the post-Argento uh, jelly world. And for a movie which is somewhat controversial in that some people consider it a uh, a quintessential jello and some people refuse to even acknowledge that it, that it is, and when they write books about it, refuse to have it mentioned. Um, but we're doing Short Night of Glass Dolls, which is a terrific movie, so I am very much looking forward to that one. Short what? Short Night of Glass Dolls. Short Night of Glass Dolls. What a bizarre mm. title. Mm. Yeah, I don't know any glass dolls in it, actually. Oh. We'll find out. <laughs> actually, no, thinking about it, I think there are... Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll get to it. To be continued. Marvellous. Yeah. Well, I, I, I very much enjoyed One on Top of the Other, a.k.a. Mm. Uh, perversion story, um, despite its... Despite those, 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 those shortcomings, it's a, it's a well-put-together piece of, you know, and it's whereas a lot of Jalo is style, stylistically fascinating, uh, that's what you enjoyed. This was actually, dis- despite the odd discrepancy of how you know, people find identities and, 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 and how the, that bits of the plot would hold up, overall it was a very gripping film in a way that I don't mm. find a lot of the Jalos gripping narratively, <laughs> as that's <laughs> not exactly not exactly their strength. Um, Indeed. Until next time. Next time, John and I delve into Aldo Lardo's mind-bending short night of glass dolls. We hope you'll join us then. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.